0: Transportation is a perennial issue in Phoenix. Our guest this week is Martin Schultz, who those of you who have been around here long enough will recognize as the father of our current transportation system, Um, the uh, time frame of which is running out. We'll discuss that with him in this week's Think Tank. From KTAR News, this is the Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. Well, Marty... Welcome back to the Think Tank. Well, I'm honored to be here, Mike. Good well, to see you. you. You've been around here longer than I have, and that's a long time.
1: Somebody said uh, around here, longer than dirt, but yeah. uh, not that long.
0: Well, longer than asphalt, maybe. That,
1: too. Uh, we didn't have much uh, yeah. when we started yeah, let's, years ago.
0: let's start there. Uh, we're. I think we go back to, what, late, say, 79, thereabouts? Or earlier. Uh, um, and, and I, I mean, I came here 79, and uh, um, we had one freeway. We had a few buses, and that was the system. That was the total system. Uh,
1: My parents uh, brought uh, the Schultz family out here in 1953. I went to high school uh, and then to university, Uh, and as I started working, we really had— nothing in the way of freeways. When I say zero freeways, people say, Marty, that was a long time ago. No freeways? We thought we had the I-10 through Phoenix. Not so. We thought maybe we had something like a 51. Maybe we had a 202. The answer is None we that. really had no freeways. And as close to a freeway as we came might have been the Black Canyon Highway, but it wasn't even designated I-17.
0: And uh I also recall that as a result of – there was a lot of anti-freeway movement in Phoenix at the time. And as a consequence of that, uh, I-10 was continuous from Florida to Santa Monica Pier with the exception of a little run through Phoenix.
1: You know, if we were prone to be embarrassed as a community, that would be a grand embarrassment. But that's true. 51st Avenue on the west was the termination of I-10 coming from that direction. And you had to go all the way to Chandler to pick it up to continue on uh, traveling on the I-10. And uh, I think the reason for that w- was twofold. Number one, the leaders, if you will, and the people who were making an opinion uh, indicated that if we built freeways through the city of Phoenix, we would really have a harmful effect on the culture. Uh, if we built freeways, they would come and amazing. People actually believed that somehow we could stave off growth if we you know, didn't do a real good job of infrastructure. And I could uh, name names, starting with the publisher of the newspaper, Gene Pulliam, who told me what his feelings were, and his newspaper editorialized on the front page. And against so freeways. Against freeways. Yeah. Against uh, these freeways going through the city. And I, I thought their uh, thinking was uh, somewhat convoluted, but I was sort of a kid Politico. I was the chief of staff for John Driggs and then Tim Barrow. Mayor of Phoenix. Two mayors of Phoenix. And then, fortunately, I went uh, on to work for my third mayor, Mayor Hans. Uh, and um, this was a struggle to get from no freeway concept to now let's build it. But we didn't really have money. Uh, so we had to actually go to Majority Leader Burt Barr's office. Uh, an, an old leader. We had leaders at the time. Who worked and, with one another. And worked with the business community, mm-hmm. with the businesses. And the question was, what do you do in order to keep up with population growth that was anticipated but still not here? And you knew you needed freeways. You needed to improve the art, what we call arterial streets, which are the major streets. And the introduction of light rail which of course to some was very foreign and uh, that was some concept. eastern that was some eastern thing we're not we're we're, we're cars we're we're cars yeah. all the way and uh, nowadays it's really ironic because nowadays some of the most conservative uh,
0: people who are pro economy are anti rail the in fairness the discussion of freeways in the 50s and 60s there was a concept of how and where to build freeways that did destroy communities Um, I I would uh, take uh, a mild exception to that
1: because it's true that some roadway systems were identified and would have to take some houses by Mm -hmm. eminent domain. But as far as destroy communities – I don't think
0: that's well. Accurate. I'll, I'll give you an example, okay. okay? And it's not a local one. And I've just been back. This this took forty years to fix, but they built a freeway through downtown Boston. It split off half the town from one another. It it's built overground and it's built in a way that it entirely bisected communities. And uh, they got the idea. They realized what a monstrosity they created, and they created the concept of the Big Dig, which was to put that underground. And they finally brought, it took 40 years and several, like $25 billion, I think, to fix. But right now, there's a wonderful Rose uh, Kennedy Park that you can walk through what used to be the freeway there. And and it has like re-energized what was a completely blighted area right around the freeway. So So it's how
1: you build it. So we had a debate uh, in Arizona and it lasted for several years, not 10 years, but it lasted for several years. And that was- How do you handle I-10 and connect it? Mm -hmm. Do you go right through the city with surface streets or a surface Mm -hmm. freeway? Do you go overhead with Mm -hmm. some kind of giant uh, bridge, or do you go underground? The idea of going underground was appealing, but from uh, the standpoint of engineering was not proven. We didn't have the confidence, according to the experts, that the thing would not fall in. But to the credit of the Corps of Engineers, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was brought in by Margaret Hance. Um, They took a look at it. They did the requisite studies and determined that we could go underground and it wouldn't divide the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we have I-10 through Phoenix. We have uh, very fast, efficient uh, ways to get off of that so that you can go um, north and south and to downtown or to – Midtown, So Mm -hmm. we solved that problem. It didn't destroy communities. In fact, it enhanced communities, and you can see that today with the billions of dollars in investment in downtown and then north of downtown on Central Avenue. It's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Well, they went went underground, or sort of underground, but Hans
0: Park now sits there.
1: It's so beautiful Mm -hmm. to think that it was named after Margaret Hans, and we're starting a capital campaign to even enhance Hans Mm -hmm. Park, Uh, it's really a beautiful thing and it's an honor to a great lady
0: so uh move us forward now I, I, I mean my rough recall of this was that uh, you've spearheaded in around some ballpark 1980 you can I'm sure you know the year better than I do but it's in that neighborhood of time and basically there was a 40 year it, it would it would build mostly freeways some rail and there was a basically a 40 year sales tax which is on the verge of expiration I think
1: actually uh, there are two sales taxes that are in our- history. Uh, One was something called Proposition 30, which was over 40 years ago. And then we got to Proposition 400, which was a 30-year tax. Now, the reason that we have this 30-year and then now we're looking for another 30 years is because at the time that we established the funding formula and the funding for these multi-billion dollar construction projects, We didn't really have any money. Nobody had a state budget or a city budget. Even combined, we weren't uh, capable of doing it. So we needed additional revenue. And the idea was that we'd have a sales tax. At that time, our uh, commercial uh, retail sales taxes were growing. So it did make some sense. And we knew how many billions of dollars each year times 30 years it would throw off. And uh, that was a rough estimate of how much it would cost. But nobody would agree to a tax in perpetuity. And I actually don't blame them, even though I think I probably argued for one. In other words, Mm -hmm. put the tax on and let it roll and let it roll. Instead, the idea was there would be a public vote because, again, our politicians then and now really don't love the idea of increasing taxes. But you turn it to the people. If they vote on it, that's deemed good. It's
0: death to vote. You voted to raise taxes, throw him out, regardless of what it bought. And so uh, there was a time frame
1: put on it, and because this was really about the Maricopa County growth, um, it was only Maricopa County. Isn't this interesting that the legislature is required to move a bill through to authorize Maricopa County to actually call the election? So Maricopa County does not have the authority to call an election themselves? They do not, Mm -hmm. nor uh, nor did any other county for this purpose Mm -hmm. until... The other county said, well, "Wait a second, we don't have the same problems and we're trustworthy and They went ahead, and other counties can just call their own uh votes and uh and, and the largest
0: county of the state comprising over sixty percent of the population can't do that on their own
1: yeah, and the economic by the way benefit from this f- to the state of Arizona th- through Maricopa County is so incredible. But, yeah, I, res- I I do respect that. I do respect uh, giving the people uh, an opportunity. It's cumbersome. It's costly. But it it's – and it's not as efficient as it needs to be. But on the other hand, we can get this done even though our Arizona legislature is very divided in themselves. And then, of course, they're very divided
0: versus the governor. Well, you could see some of the dynamic. There more – I wasn't so much questioning the uh, – the, the idea of a public vote as the vote needs to be authorized by the legislature, which legislates for the entire state and has, uh, you know, 40 percent of their people are coming from outside of Maricopa County, and uh, uh, they can impede a tax that would only apply if this flies. It's only applied in Maricopa County, correct? So that is correct. So I'm sure this won't be a shocker to anybody listening, but- so what happens is
1: if you're an out-county legislator and they're asking for your vote, remember there's gotta mm-hmm. be uh, you know, 31 and 16 at the Arizona legislature, you're if from Tucson or Pinal County or Gila County, you might think, hmm, what's in it for my people, for my area? And there are a lot of, I'll use the word deals cut, but I don't want to imply something real dirty, but it, it's deals, it's mm-hmm. appropriations, Or transportation systems outside of Maricopa County, which are part of the understanding as the total legislature votes on this bill. Even though
0: this will be paid for solely by people in Maricopa County? Solely. Solely. So uh, what is, tell tell us what's in the -hmm. the works, what kind of a, well, first of all, the 30-year tax, when does that expire? In a year. In a year. So we're right on the edge of that.
1: We're right on the edge of that, and we need the authorizing legislation to get the public vote. And the vote the, would be 2024, I assume? Yes. That, okay. Supposedly. Now, again, that's up to Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Mm-hmm. But but th- uh, that's, that's as
0: quick as you could do it.
1: That's as quick yeah. as you could do it, right? I don't think you can do it in 23. Mm-hmm. Having said that, it would be such a disaster, in my opinion, for the tax to expire and the billions of dollars that are anticipated to build uh, additional freeways, additional freeway lanes... Um, Arterial streets, which is a big deal, and a lot of technology which allows traffic to flow freer than it otherwise would, plus some capital for light rail. Um, That all has to be authorized by the legislature and has to be done quickly. Otherwise, the whole thing stops. When I say the whole thing stops, I don't mean the economy goes to hell in a handcart immediately, but it will begin. In fact, to some extent, the signals have already begun. The Wall Street Journal two weeks ago wrote a story that said, these guys at the Arizona legislature and ladies, they don't seem to be able to get their act together to get this authorizing bill through. It is true. It's becoming a very difficult process. I got a positive attitude towards Arizona, towards life, and I think we're going to get it done. But there are an awful lot of people who are elected, appointed officials, and others who are saying to me, Marty, uh, you know, maybe you're a little bit too optimistic because... So it's not a slam dunk. Well, it's far from a slam dunk. The reason it is, is there's not a common mind. There are groups who actually oppose vehemently, emotionally, and politically light rail. The Free Enterprise Club, they're anything but free enterprise. They oppose light rail. They go to their few legislators that listen to their uh, inexact testimony and ask them to vote no. And we've had uh, individuals who uh, are in key positions, including chairman of the Senate Transportation Committee, who are very frustrated and say uh, he really wants either no light rail or minimum light rail.
0: What is the, if you were to look at the package being proposed, and, and let's start with the current package, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, for all of the monies uh, that are authorized from this sales tax, what proportion goes to light rail uh, about thirty uh, percent about 30 percent that 's a
1: mix of city money where the city where light rail has a big impact on the city the city's actually um, fund uh, the, a lot of the uh, operational costs. Okay. And then, so just
0: talking about the sales tax that's imposed, What okay.
1: is that less than 30%? It's then? less than 30%. Mm-hmm. But the proposal at the legislature in the bills that are moving, and there are bills that are mm-hmm. moving, uh, is in the neighborhood of negotiating 30 or 40%. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have about 40% or a little bit less in um, freeway. Now, a freeway, by the way, it's not like a number of new freeways because our existing freeways are not as efficient because they have fewer lane miles than are needed with this tremendous growth in population. Mm-hmm. With this tremendous growth in economic activity, we always use Taiwan Semiconductor and, you know, the multi-billion dollar investment they've committed to. And the President of the United States comes here and tells us that we're going to be the chip manufacturer mm-hmm leader of the world, uh, that's America and Arizona is uh, at the center point, but there are all kinds of new technologies that are coming on the horizon, and Intel's expanding their fabs, and battery companies are, for li- uh, for uh, Tesla's and um, other electric vehicles, are expanding their work, and it goes on and on. The pace of growth is a beautiful thing, to me, mm-hmm. at least— Because it does indicate economic activity, it indicates funds flow for real people, it indicates jobs. The significant increase in jobs that has occurred in the last 10 years because of an aggressive transportation system is all documented in economic analysis. Uh, And unfortunately, the other side of that economic analysis would be you stop building freeways, you stop doing light rail, you stop arterial streets because you don't have the funds flow. Mm And you begin to impact really hard economic activity, and that means jobs.
0: The uh, What would happen? If this thing doesn't get extended, would this impact things that are currently being built? Like, for example, the one I'm most familiar with because I take it is the intersection of US-60 and I-10. There is a massive amount of work going there with lane extensions and just... It's just a massive, massive project. Many of these projects,
1: including the one that you described, are not only programmed in today's economic Mm -hmm. dollars and uh, freeway dollars, they're also programmed for the future. So if the funds are literally cut off, if they stop, Mm -hmm. then the billions of dollars that potentially would be bonded Mm -hmm. in order to have this construction activity will not occur, and uh, the construction will halt unless we find other sources mm-hmm. of revenue. And you uh,
0: are not easily able to find other sources how, of money. How big a piece of this is federal money? There used, it used to be the interstate was 90% federal money. The locals had to pony up 10%. Mm-hmm. Here's how we get the federal money two ways. One, they do provide
1: grants for various projects and in all classes of property. Uh, they want major streets to survive and to do well. They want uh, light rail because they believe that that's good for a couple of reasons. One, it moves people and gives people an alternative. But the other thing, whether my conservative friends like it or not, the federal government plows billions of dollars into Arizona and into this region as long as we comply with federal air quality regulations. Now, I've heard certain legislators say, Marty, we don't need to take that from them. We don't need to listen to the federal government and try to achieve these higher and higher goals of clean air. And, you know, they can protest all they want. I don't think there's anything going to change. If we don't achieve our objectives, we will lose massive billions of dollars of federal funds that go into the mix of our construction. And I
0: assume that you say air quality. I say the more people on transit as opposed to freeways, that's a huge impact on air quality. It's
1: a huge impact on... Uh, and then, you know, their buses are being uh, translated into electric and natural gas. Obviously, there's greater target now for electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of technology that actually is incorporated into the roadway systems and the signage and the lighting and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which moves traffic on a continuous flow basis. That actually means that there's
0: uh, less impact on the air. I'll- Throw in a personal anecdote on transit. Uh, I just got back within the last month. I went to Medellin, Colombia. Ooh! Uh, once the you know cocaine capital of the world, this is a city almost exactly the same size as Phoenix, and it is crossed by a network of transit. Unlike a it, more like if you remember the Valtans proposal, I do. I'm talking about. Uh, San Francisco or Washington, D.C. type trains, only not one line, crisscrossing the entire town. People can get around on it. And it's a town surrounded by mountains like we are, but closer in mountains. And people live up those mountains. And it used to be that the poorest people lived at the top of the mountain. Why? Because there's no transit to go up there. And if you had to walk up, up a hill a half a mile, a steep climb, you're not, you know, the only ver- the further up the mountain you were, the poorer the people well they built escalators, they built uh sky trams, all kinds of one area that was particularly drug infested they built a series of escalators going up these narrow streets, and it's now an arts district that is absolutely flourishing and I looked at particularly the you know the train side of that, and I said, well, that it had that valtrans uh, proposal. I think that was 1979, if I remember You're correct. Um, if that we would have been built out on that by now, and we would have had that, and it would have been transformative. I mean, right now the limit of 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 the rail, is, two things. One is it's at street level, which Valtrans was not going to be, which means it's slower. It has to stop for stoplights and it things does. like that, and it interferes with other traffic because it's at grade. Valtrans, only the old timers, was going to be on stilts. And I, re- I remember talking to the transit director at Phoenix at the time. I said, give me some sense of the relative cost. And he, put, he you know, he said, well, it depended, it depended. But basically, when he finally gave me numbers, and I've always remembered this ever since this if it cost a dollar to build on the ground, it costs $2 on stilts and $10 below grade. Yeah, I, I, I take that as an order of magnitude and, you know, with all the caveats. But so it's easy to say, oh, put it underground. But remember, you're buying into... Uh, an order of magnitude, higher level cost. So what
1: we see in our system is balance. You've got um, a freeway system that is really expanded all the way to the West Valley, around the West Valley on the 303. And then you've got an investment in arterial streets. That should not be taken lightly. And then we've got a transit component, a, a, a light rail component that is Really marvelous uh, in terms of its usage, and yeah, it does have to stop periodically, but
0: is less expensive to build. It just, it just the the thing in uh, that I noticed in Medellin that was different is if you had a choice between taking the train across town or a car across town, the train was much faster. Here, that's not the case. That's some of the price of being at grade trade off. Right? Yeah, yeah, it, it trade off to build it. Not cheap, but cheaper. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, we're getting near the end of our allotted time here. What would be your message to the public? It sounds like you're doing sort of behind the scenes stuff at this time, trying to get the legislature to authorize something. But many, many many of us are
1: many of us are uh, trying to provide effective messages to the legislature and the governor, which is. It's time to pass the legislation which authorizes Maricopa County to have the public vote. Let the public vote on this. They have twice before, and we believe, based on our studies, they will vote in favor of it again and will move forward with one of the infrastructure investments that is key to our economic success in the future. As far as the public is concerned, I think they need to talk to their governmental officials and their legislators and to the governor and simply say— we're interested in a healthy economy. Our transportation system, which is really remarkable in the fact has just been built in the last several decades, is not only doing an unbelievable job in servicing our economy, but can do it in the future. So we need to continue by allowing the half-cent sales tax to continue as well. And I do think whether they write to the legislators or call the legislators or use social media, the idea is MAG, that's the association that repre- that's all the mayors and all the board of supervisors in Maricopa, County. in Maricopa County and all the Indian Reservation, they have all voted unanimously for the plan, which we hope will be incorporated into the legislation.
0: Well, thank you, Marty. It's it's extraordinary to have here. We're talking transportation. We're talking to have here the guy who put together the proposal that we passed 30 years ago. For those of those of us who are around long enough to remember that, uh, yeah, 30 years probably seemed like forever at the time. But uh, tick tock, tick tock, it ends. Pleasure to have you back, Marty. Well, I know you do water and some other things. Love to have you back in the near future. We'll see you next week in the Think Tank.